0: You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Klobo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Fay. Hey Cliff. Hi Bubs, how you doing, man? Good. How's it going with you? Going all right. Going all right, man. Just, uh, you know, at work as I speak. I'm in the museum right now fulfilling some online orders, so this is a nice break for me. I appreciate it. You had some issues today, it sounds like.
1: Oh, just power out. I don't know what happened. It's not that windy or anything. Or I'm not sure why it's out. It's just out. I had to go move the truck and get to a good reception
0: spot. I hooked the computer up through my phone to do the call. Well, I'm glad that for once the internet issues won't be on my end, so good. So we got a guest
1: today from Kentucky. I think you're gonna be familiar with his report. He sent it in to you and
0: Charlie Raymond checked it out, but we have Glenn here joining us. Hey Glenn. Hey Bobo, hey Cliff. Thanks so much for coming on with us. We appreciate it. I also thank. Uh, want to thank you for the report. And I know you sent along some photographs that went along with it as well of the cave. There's a cave involved in this one. So uh, I think a good way to jump into this would be, frankly, to jump right into it. Why don't you give us um, a little bit of background of what you were doing and then tell us what happened?
2: Yeah, I'm a, a professional musician for 37 years. And drums were my main instrument. Traveled all over the world doing that. Lived all over, came back to Kentucky and was with one of my high school uh, buddies. It's his farm, about five miles from here. And where I live, it's uh, it's a very karst region. And uh, so this one particular cave is a really magical spot. It's uh, it's on a creek where Daniel Boone actually had his camp when he was coming through, uh, exploring Kentucky and surveying Kentucky. We would basically go to this cave about once a month. Of camp out, we had built a sweat lodge outside. There's a nice pool of water uh, that flows out of the cave. And uh, you can walk in through the roof and there's a big, uh, huge cavern. And we build a campfire there and set our sleeping bags out, brew some tea, uh, play some music. I always took this drum uh, that I have that I got uh, from a Navajo shaman out west. And I would play that a lot. I would studied shamanism and world religions and got really into Joseph Campbell. And so uh, this was kind of our little ritual. We'd go down there and camp and just get out in nature. And so we're down one night and uh, it was in the fall, September of 95. So I was out there uh, picking up dead sticks and get a long one and I'd take it and whack it across the tree and break it in half, you know, do that. So I'd been doing that for probably 15 or 20 minutes, and get enough firewood to get a good fire to last us. Built our fire, got dark, played some drums, played some guitars. Came back out just right after dark, I guess, maybe about 10 o'clock. Walked out of the cave and, and was going to answer the call of nature. So I'm standing there looking out over the woods, coming up behind me, full moon. And it's just casting that silvery light. All the leaves are down. You can pretty much, it was like just beautiful. So I'm standing there and just kind of lost in that. And all of a sudden I hear this really deep growl. Just, I could feel it just in my gut. So I turned around and and right there in front of me is an eight foot tall Sasquatch. Originally, I thought maybe it was eight or 10 feet from me, but I've been back to the spot in the daylight, and uh, he was only about four feet from me because I had to look up to see his head, and as I did that, I just got this, maybe you shouldn't look him in the eye, so I looked down immediately, but I got this feeling like uh, said in my head to him, I'm not a threat to you. I, I don't mean any harm. I'm just going to go back into the cave now. And I just thought that in my head and slowly made my way sidestep to the right a little bit. And then I was at the mouth where I could go down inside the cave. I didn't tell my buddy. I just then stared at the fire all night uh, and looked at the opening of the cave until it was daylight. And then I got out of there. And That was the first experience I had on that property.
1: I was looking at those pictures of that cave. That's a cool spot. I mean, is it is it just there's so much limestone ge- geology there that there's, I know there's a lot of caves in Kentucky in that zone. Is is, that, is this like
2: a, do you ever
1: see anyone else there or signs of other people at that cave?
2: It's a very popular cave. Uh, it's a privately owned cave. So uh, not a lot of people go there. The, the owners try to keep it uh, pretty pristine. But this particular Kentucky, especially central and south-central Kentucky, is very karst, so the limestone, a uh, lot, lot of caves.
0: So so basically, you went camping with your buddy on his private land. He owns this cave and this river, basically. And um, it's interesting because you were playing some music, so you were being interesting. You, were, you said you were breaking sticks on trees for the fire, so you were essentially doing tree knocks. Whether you wanted it to work or not, it apparently did. And because you stepped outside to take a leak, basically, and boom, there's a big guy standing right there. It's interesting that you said you got the feeling or you got a message that you shouldn't look at it in the eye. Do you have any idea why that might be?
2: I don't. I mean, I didn't feel threatened by him at all. The growl wasn't even a threatening growl, it seemed like more like a, hey, what are you doing at my house? You know? you know, and even though I'm not threatened by him, he's not threatening, he could really hurt me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, for primates and actually a lot of animals looking at them in the eye is directly threatening them.
2: And I did not know this and I wasn't even uh, interested in Bigfoot. I I take that back. Ever since I saw the legend of uh, Boggy Creek when I was a kid, I've been interested, but I've never went out and Search for him, and I spent my whole life out in the woods. Uh, since I was three, I've been out in the woods and never, you know, was just wasn't aware to look or even search for them.
0: Probably weren't even aware that they were in Kentucky.
2: No, I wasn't at the time at all. Since then, of course, I've done a lot of research and found out, wow, there's a lot of activity here. And I've talked to relatives and, and had a, another experience, so I know there's, they're here.
0: Well, we'll get to that next experience in a minute, um, but since you you thought initially he was 8 or 10, or he, I said he, but we don't know, uh, or do we know? Do, was, it a, was it a male or a female? Do you have any idea? Did you see some junk?
2: I didn't see. Uh, the way the moon was directly behind it, like almost, his head was almost obscuring the moon. Got a male vibe. I didn't yeah, yeah. see anything, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, um, you were practically close enough to touch this thing. I could have, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so I know the lighting wasn't good. I know it was backlit, but what details did you see? What did you notice? Uh, um, size, color, shape, anything at all?
2: first of all, i'm I'm six one. I'm a pretty big guy. So I noticed immediately, uh, I was staring at its chest, and he's probably at least three feet wide, and I had to you know physically look up. To see his head, so he was a good eight feet, easy, like I said, he's about three feet wide, he had really long arms. I could see that uh, when I looked away from his face and looked down, I could see his arms were hanging down, and he had huge legs, and the fur uh, the hair uh, I couldn't really see any detail at all like it what it was all pretty smooth looking in the outline, you know
0: so you were actually you were in the middle of taking a leak when you saw this thing. Like, literally, you know...
2: Right, I just finished, zipped up, and then I heard the growl.
0: If you would have seen this right before, it would have been fair to say that it scared the piss out of you. Oh,
2: yes, it would have. I think I think we probably faced each other for at least 10 seconds. Holy smokes. It could have been longer because I was kind of in shock, you know. I was Time just slowed way down.
0: Could you smell it?
2: No, I couldn't smell it. A lot of people say they can, uh, but no, there was no smell at all.
0: Okay, yeah, about ten to fifteen percent of sightings have smells associated, so not as many as you'd think. Uh, that's one of those myths out there. they like they all stink. They don't, but you know, being close to one like that, I was just kind of curious, like because you know you can smell bears when you're really close to them sometimes, or deer, that sort of thing. Um, uh, did you hear? Did you hear anything else besides the grunt? Like, did you hear it breathe or anything? Or because you're so close, it's so rare.
2: I could hear it breathing uh, and and the growl was what uh, I mean it was like aI I can't do it obviously because of and the power behind it, but it was just like a
0: yeah, I've heard Bobo do that more than a handful of times, and uh-huh. some of those t- some of those times he was actually imitating a sasquatch.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> being a musician, um, can you compare the the range? Of the sound you heard to any instrument, like for example, like a like a yeah. the low string on a bass or like a five-string bass, like the really low grumbling noises. Or how would you compare the the sound that you heard, like sonically, to some sort of instrument?
2: Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Uh, like a five-string bass, tuned down like to D, just just massive speakers behind it. You know how you can feel it in your stomach when those low notes get hit. You know, you can kind of feel it there. Uh huh. Yeah, that's. It was like you could feel the sonic quality of his his voice, for sure.
0: And it wasn't loud, though, was it? I get the impression it wasn't real loud. It was just real close.
2: Not at all. Not loud at all. And that's why I didn't feel threatened. It just seemed like maybe like, hey, you know, what are you doing taking a leak in my backyard kind of
0: thing? <laughs> sure. I would ask the same question, right? Right. Glenn, you're
1: a um, drummer. Have you ever heard Wood like... Now that you know what Bigfoots do, like you've spent all your life out there in the woods. Did you ever hear any knocking sounds
2: looking back? Not knocking sounds, but I've heard trees break. And and I always thought, you know, when I heard that, I always thought, well, if a tree does fall in the woods, you do hear it.
1: When you look back on those trees coming down, was it, did it seem like it was directed at you? Like, I mean, was it like a windless day and all of a sudden,
2: crack? Right, yeah. But but not in real close not real close to me but in the same uh, maybe uh, within a, a two acre radius you know like I might be on the woods and about that far away a uh, hundred yards away I hear some a tree break that's happened more than once
1: usually around hundred yards away hundred fifty yards seems like that's it seems like they're usually about that close yeah.
0: Now, are you aware of more activity in this general vicinity?
2: I am, yes. Uh, after my experience, I was, we had a family reunion a few years later, and I was talking to my great uncle who grew up here, not not too far from where I live, just five miles maybe. And uh, I asked him if he'd ever seen or heard anything. And on his farm, he said, his farm has this huge valley that sits uh, below his house, and he'll sit on his deck at night. And he said he's heard something scream. And he said he was an old guy when he told me this. He's 88, I guess. He said, he, you know, I, I've lived here my whole life. I've heard every animal in the woods. I've seen every animal in the woods, and I don't know what this was.
0: And your buddy who owns the property, has he ever had anything weird happen that might be uh, attributed to Sasquatches? I've been
2: kind of afraid to talk to him about it, actually, which after this, I guess— uh, You know, I've I've come to deal with it. It took me a few years to to, uh, come to terms with with it all. But I did have another experience there on his same farm, just at a different spot.
0: Tell us about that. Yeah.
2: So this was uh, 2013. And this farm is huge. It's a few hundred acres. And where the cave is is at the very bottom of the property. And at the very top is on top of a mountain. And it's, it's a flat spot where they have the house and the barn and the, the fields where they grow all their crops and stuff. What we did is we took, uh, we, we set up, built a little building uh, to keep our equipment and our gear. And then we built a little outdoor stage. And uh, just occasionally on summer nights, we'd get together and set up the electronic drums and uh, just have a little jam session out there. So we decided to call it a night. And I had put my tent up in a little uh, apple orchard, maybe 200 feet from where we had our little stage set up. And Before I went to sleep, I was hearing lots of coyotes howl, which was unusual because I'd never seen a coyote or heard of a coyote being in Kentucky. And went to bed thinking, well, that's unusual, a lot of coyotes. Uh, In the middle of the night sometime, Uh, I woke up to that same growl that I heard back in 95 about a foot from my head where I was sleeping right outside the tent. The same kind of growl, the same loudness, the same feeling. My friend woke up. We were in a big tent. He woke up, and he was like, what's that? I said, don't worry. It's just the coyote. Go back to sleep. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Liar.
2: Yeah, I was. <laughs> I it but it scared me to death. I was like, the only thing separating us is this little tent. But then I thought, you know, I'd been face to face with this probably the same guy before. He's probably just curious, heard the music, came up to check us out. And, uh, you know, maybe 20 seconds later, it got up and, and just moved away, went wow. on.
1: He's like, there's that jerk that peed in my cave.
2: Right, exactly. I know you. It's <laughs> <laughs> making all the drumming sounds.
0: Well, yeah, you're doing everything right for Bigfoot, and you're doing weird stuff in, in their habitat to makes them interested, and apparently you've been lucky enough to bring them in more than once. Yeah, it seems to really, really respond to that. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. So uh, you said this is uh, that river system is the same one that uh, uh, what Daniel Boone was exploring when he surveyed Kentucky? Is that correct?
2: That's correct. It's uh, it's on an ancient path uh, called the Warrior's Path, uh, which goes basically the Gulf Coast up to uh, Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the natives had been traveling this path for years. Daniel Boone, when he was exploring, he he found it, and this creek system runs along part of the path. actually had a camp here and it's got a name it's famous if i said it would give away the location of the cave yeah but but yeah it's a lot of history here i uh i actually studied archaeology and uh was doing some uh surveying around my property and found a rock shelter but we excavated that and it turned out to be over ten thousand years old all the artifacts and charcoal and stuff we dated
0: are you aware that daniel boone claimed to have killed one of these things i am.
2: it's a really interesting story yes he, and where he had been i guess you know where he had been re- reading jonathan swift uh you know he didn't know what to call it so he called it
0: yahoo <laughs> right that's right <laughs> yeah and uh now uh, charlie raymond who you got to meet uh he did a follow-up investigation on site with you i believe um he uh told me not too long ago this past year or two that he thinks he knows the the area uh, the, the cave or whatever that um that daniel boone was near when this happened uh do you happen to know if your spot was close to this or not
2: yeah actually it is and uh it's probably even uh, the place uh Charlie and I didn't actually get to meet face to face. We just talked on the phone. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I invited him to come down and check out the site, but he he hasn't made it yet. So,
0: well, K- Kentucky is just ridiculous with Bigfoot stuff in the last five or ten years. So, he's oh, a busy it, guy <laughs> it is and
2: historically too. Like, there's so many uh, you know historical reports uh, besides uh, stuff that's going on now. Like, like I think. You guys talked to our former sheriff in the county I live in.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, on the uh, show, what? right, right. Uh, the barn, the barn sighting, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I read your report. I thought, was he talking about Tim Fee? Yes, that's him. He was a great witness. He was. Even I remembered him. I just couldn't pull his name out of my Rolodex.
2: Yeah, him. Him and his neighbor both uh, had that sighting the same day
0: is this general knowledge amongst your friends and family that this happened to you at this point? I know you didn't mention it to the guy whose property it was, but like other people, um, in your circles, do, do they all kind of know that you encountered one of these things or do you kind of keep that hidden?
2: Yeah, I've, I've told, uh, my immediate family, like I, I help, uh, take care of my mother and my aunt here. Uh, they live on the same farm. And, uh, so I've told them about it. And, uh, one of my cousins, who's also a musician, uh, Jim, we we played in bands together our whole lives, told him about it, and, of course, my lady. And I've told her.
0: How how do they view you? Did that change anything for them? Or, like, they think you're, oh, I've always knew you were weird. Or perhaps maybe brought out a story from one of them, like, oh, yeah, Uncle So-and-So said the same thing, or, you know, that sort of thing. Any interesting reactions from any of these people?
2: I guess I'm what you would call a Renaissance fan, like a jack-of-all-trades, master of one. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I do a lot of studying, a lot of reading. Uh, pretty well read, and fairly intelligent. And so my friends kind of know that about me. So when I tell them something, they tend to to know that I'm serious, and uh, they they believe what I'm saying. So I'm lucky that way. Figure it's time that I should speak out.
1: Let the freak flag fly. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, and have you ever, I mean, Kentucky's got all kinds of ghosts and dog, man. Have you had any other weird kind like of UFOs, ghosts, or anything strange at all?
2: I have, yes. Uh, Ooh. Ever since I was... Uh, probably the first time I remember, I guess I was four or five UFO experiences starting then. I would wake up in the middle of the night, and there would be uh, this little guy outside my window, and... It would really scare me and then they would take me. And a couple of times I woke up outside in the middle of the night in the yard with one of my neighbor friends from like two or three houses down. We're both just standing there in my front yard under the tree, like, what happened? Middle of the night.
0: Holy crap. Yeah, four or five years old. No way. So did you see this thing or did you just get a feeling there was something outside your window or what's the deal with that?
2: Oh, I would see them. They were grays but later uh this was in lexington kentucky we we moved to a a different neighborhood and uh, i was sending cub scouts and we went out on a camping trip down by the kentucky river and uh in the middle of the night uh, i woke up got out of the tent and saw a couple of other the kids out of their tents looking up so i walked over by them and looked up and this Circular craft with lights all around it landed right in the field in front of us, and uh, everybody got out of their tents and came out. How big was it? 50 feet around, maybe, di- I mean, uh, across, you know. The classic kind of almost like two saucers placed on each other, and, and in the center, it had lights, uh, blue and red lights that went around it.
0: Was it making noises, like a theremin or something cool? or
2: No noises at all. Wow. But that's scarier. Once it landed, this mist, this white fog came out and just like coated us, surrounded us. And then that was the last thing I remember until the next morning. And then the next morning, I was like, hey, do you guys remember? Yeah. Then this white mist came and that's all, you know, and that was it
0: so um these strange experiences these abduction experiences and whatnot is that what led you towards shamanism by the way like you said you studied world religion and shamanism and things like that and there's a strong yeah because uh there's a strong vein of that in a lot of uh, shaman shamanistic sort of uh beliefs and contacting ancestors and all that sort of stuff
2: yeah i started i started looking for answers uh this is in, back in the in the early 90s and, and read all of Joseph Campbell's books and uh, Mercado Lottie's book on shamanism and everything else I could get my hands on. And at the time, same time studying all the world religions, uh, trying to figure out what, what was going on. About the same time, uh, I woke up one morning and on my thigh was this huge red spot, like a cut. Like a fresh wound, I was like, "How did that happen in my sleep?" You know what? You know, <laughs> I didn't hurt yeah. my... And uh, then uh, a few, like every couple of months, I would wake up. There was something in there, like you could feel a, a little knot. And then every couple of months, I would wake up in the morning, and it would be red and irritated.
0: Same um, spot, though, right?
2: Same spot. And I still have a scar. It's like a scoop that was taken out of my thigh. How old did you when that happened? 33 when that happened
0: well that's probably around the same time you saw this thing the the sasquatch initially right it is
2: uh and this this particular cave i've had quite a few beyond experiences there in the bigfoot and beyond
0: yeah
2: yeah once i was there uh doing my monthly drumming uh, uh me and my buddy and uh we had another guy with us who was also a musician And I was back in the cave. I'd walked back in there quite a ways and had lit a candle. And my other two buddies are back out at the mouth of the cave where we had the fire. And I start hearing this really haunting, beautiful Native American singing, like just the voice singing. And I'm thinking, oh, that's my buddy out there. He's he's Native American. He's just, that's him. That's beautiful. And every time that would happen, would go dim and the singing would stop and the candle would brighten back up. This happened about three or four times and I was like, I got to go tell them what's going on with this candle. So I walk walk out there and they're like, hey man, I didn't know you could sing like that. We thought it was you. So we all three heard
0: this. (laughs) Wow. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. You know, uh, along those lines is a a side story. A good friend of ours, a guy named uh, Chad Hamill, he was actually a producer on Finding Bigfoot. Um, You know, his career is television. And he was doing this other reality show years before Finding Bigfoot. And they interviewed this dude who claimed to have crystals um, put in his head by aliens when he was abducted. And wow. so it was part of the shtick of the, of the show that like, this guy was totally into it. Like he, that, that he built a career around this. Like he built, wrote books and the whole nine and, um, claiming to have these crystals that were involuntary involuntarily planted in his head. And, um, so the producers for the show that were doc, that was documenting this, they thought, well, you know, let's get an MRI for this guy. Let's, you know, let's look inside to see what he's got. And so they do it. They set up an appointment. The guy goes in the tube and everything, and they take x-rays or whatever they did of his head, an MRI deal. And of course, the results come back, and of course, there's nothing there. There's there's nothing inside of his head, right? And Chad is the guy that has to tell him this. <laughs> this, this guy's like built like decades-long career sort of thing of, Off you know. metaphor. <laughs> Yeah, of, yeah, off a of metaphor, basically, you know, and uh, and so he, he goes, yeah, well, the, here's their test results, and the guy goes, yeah, yeah, well, look, look, tell me about what what they said, and Chad goes, yeah, um, there, yeah, there's nothing in there, man, and and then, then there's like this, and it's on camera, the guy's being filmed at the time, and there's this pause, and he goes, I've been freed. <laughs> And he starts rejoicing that this curse has been lifted off of him. There there is no, there is no crystal in his brain any longer. And somehow or another, they removed it. And man, he really turned it around and made it a positive thing. So (laughs) yeah, exactly. I'm finally free. (laughs) I don't want to make light of your situation. Don't get me wrong, man. Like extraterrestrials or interdimensional, whatever's putting stuff inside one's body is no laughing matter until it's funny. Oh gosh, this interview took an interesting twist. I love it, man. Yeah, This this was a, a lot more fun than I expected it to be. I thought it was going to be good, but uh, it, it took all sorts of interesting twists and turns, man. This has been a great interview.
2: It's been great talking to you guys. I, I've had a, a really good time. Uh, I've got a couple of YouTube channels. Uh, uh, one is just my music channel, and then I have another YouTube channel that I just set up. Uh, uh, I've got a video on there about the Bigfoot Cave and uh, other stuff, and i a lot of my original music is
0: in the... Exploring It All? Is that the name of it? Yes, with GQ. Well, with GQ. Exploring It All with GQ. So th- those are your two uh, YouTube platforms. And on the second one, you can actually see pictures of the cave where this encounter happened. Uh, the yeah. Sasquatch encounter. Some videotape of it. Oh, fantastic. Fantas- I'm sure our listeners would love to hear that, or see that, rather. So. Fantastic, Glenn. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this last hour, man. And the, the great stories, not only the Bigfoot stuff, but the alien stuff is mind-blowing as well. This stuff is real. It's out there, man. Just just because it's weird doesn't mean it's not real. I, I always go back to that quote. I don't know who said it, but not only is the universe weirder than you think, it's weirder than you can think.
2: This yeah. is <laughs> There's more in heaven and earth for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, fantastic, man. It was a pleasure to meet you and, uh, and interview you and just hear your stories. Thank you so much for everything. All right, guys. All right. Thanks. Take it easy, Glenn. I took a few twists and turns on huh, Cliff. That was awesome. That was awesome. I and mean, we had a little bit of connectivity issues. Some of the words uh, Glenn was saying, and even you sometimes kind of kind of dropped out, but it was way worth it. And you know, despite the connectivity issues, this might be one of the better episodes we were going to have, man. What an amazing story. Uh, I agree. And that cave, I was thinking like, that's got to be kind of a known cave because it's so cool looking. He said, yeah, the people do know about it. Yeah, but it's luckily it's on private land, so it's a little protected in some ways. Um, so not a whole lot of people are probably going in there. Cool. Yeah. He was, a, Glenn was a great witness, man. I enjoyed talking to him. Yeah. Yeah. He was a, a bundle of surprises. I mean, I knew he had a good encounter and stuff cause I'd read it, but I didn't, I didn't know he's going to go those directions. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Once again, Bob's yeah. You, you're choosing them. Great, man. You're doing your job wonderfully. And I really appreciate you uh, pulling these great witnesses out.
1: Uh my pleasure. All right, folks, well, thanks for tuning in listening again to another episode of Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be coming at you next week with a new show. And until then, share, like, thumbs up our program. We'd appreciate it. And until next week, keep it
0: squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes.